So if you've been with us here at St. Peter's the past few weeks, um, you might have noticed that I've been a little uh, teary-eyed and emotional during service. Um, I'm trying not to feel self-conscious about that because you know, somewhere along the way, I got this idea that if you're the priest, it's not okay to show that you're struggling. And I've experienced like the two extremes of this when it comes to pastors that I've known in my life. Um, most never showed any weakness or doubt, like ever. And so they were always like, it's all good. We've got Jesus, you know, we've got the Bible, just have faith, all shall be well. Or there were some who were like falling apart and sobbing in the pulpit every single week. And we were all sitting there awkwardly like, should we be doing something right now? This guy needs some, some help. And when I think about those two extremes, I realize like I can't be the first um, because even if I tried, I, I just can't pretend. And I kind of don't want to be the second priest. And I shared a few weeks ago about how, you know, after all that we've experienced in these past 16 months, that it feels like we've just run a marathon, and instead of collapsing on the finish line, instead, it's as if this race organizer slapped another number on our back and pushed us towards a new starting line. And we're like, wait, what? A second marathon? I mean, do you ever just wish that we could all take a six-month break from life and go on vacation? You just want you to stop and take a break. Like, is there anyone we can talk to about making that happen? And it's such an American thing, right, to be like, you know, onward and upward. Like, let's just suck it up and let's go because we don't know how to stop. And sometimes reality is, is that we can't stop. There are children to care for and people who are depending on us and the responsibilities of school and work and family. And we can't just quit life and take off the next six months. And there is kind of this reality of having to suck it up and onward and upward, regardless of how I might be feeling. We think of you know, those who are um, the working poor, who feel that more than anyone in our society, who don't have the luxury of time off and childcare readily available or still getting paid when they go on vacation. We don't know how to stop. And in some cases, we actually can't stop. And as we go, 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 there's this little voice in our head that might be saying, you know, stop complaining. There are people who have it so much harder than you, who suffer more, so much more than you. And so whatever sadness or tiredness you might be feeling, it's not legitimate. So just suck it up. You realize, like, no wonder there is a mental health crisis in America right now. I was listening to this podcast yesterday where they were talking about how there's this tsunami of unprocessed grief that has yet to happen because of all of the losses, you know, big and small, personal and collective, that's coming because we haven't let ourselves be able to feel it and just sit with it and be with it in any kind of like real and present way. Because if we did, if we let ourselves feel it and sit with it and be with it, we might just get swept away. I think about how, you know, as the Delta variant takes hold in kind of a second wave of infections, and that brings a whole host of, insecur of insecurity and uncertainty about what's to come, like we're really in a moment right now 
you know, and some of us, we may be in denial. Some of us may be like, you know, it's, it's fine. We'll be fine. Some may be feeling anxious and fearful. Others us, of us kind of avoiding having to think about it. But regardless of where we're on in that spectrum, we are in a moment. And in our epistle reading from Ephesians today, uh, the Apostle Paul has three messages for us in this moment. And that is that we are one that we need each other, and that when we press into those two realities, we actually grow stronger and more robust in love for the sake of the world. So first of all, that we are one. So I love the message version of the Bible, if you've never read it before. And the way that the message translates this passage is it says, you were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. Eugene Peterson writes that the underlying and all-encompassing oneness that is church flows from the underlying and all-encompassing oneness that is God. Like only God could knit together this ragtag group of misfits that is the church of Jesus Christ into one body. And if you were to say to a, a Christian in the, first in, the, in the first century, like, hey, I'm going to church this Sunday, like you would be met with confusion. They would be like, go to church? Like they wouldn't quite know what you're talking about because back then you don't go to church you are the church it's the community it's the gathered people of god and most gatherings that we think about the gatherings in our lives tend to be fairly homogenous in some way shape or form so you gather with your friends because they're people that you like you've got chemistry with you connect easily with them you gather with your yoga class and maybe all of you value like health and the body and spirituality you know whatever those gatherings may be and so like on the outside what do I, you know, a 49-year-old Korean-American woman have in common with, like, Rodney, who I don't know his exact age, you know, African-American man, or Tyler, you know, a Chinese 16-year-old, Norma, you know, Norma, <laughs> who's amazing. <laughs> but, you know, from the outside, people might say, well, what did these people have to do with each other? Like the miracle of the church is the miracle of our oneness in Christ and the fact that this even happens at all. And in the church, you find yourself not just acquaintances with people that you would otherwise not be in relationship with or maybe even want to be in relationship with, but family, family, the same body, and two chapters earlier in Ephesians, Paul writes that the hostilities of our world, the divisions of our world that might otherwise come between us have been destroyed because of Jesus. 
and that Jesus himself is our peace, who in his own death, resurrection, and ascension makes us one and makes us whole, makes us healed. So when one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. When one part of the, part of the body rejoices, we all rejoice. We are in this together. But this past week, I was um, meeting with somebody and praying with them, and someone who's you know, relatively new to being part of a church. He was struggling you know, with where he's at you know, in life and in faith, and with tears in his eyes, and just a really honest and earnest moment, he just said, I just want to belong somewhere. You know, I just want to belong somewhere. And I said, you belong here. You belong here with us. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. In our baptism, it's all about identity, that this is the place where the church says to you, you are a loved child of God. It doesn't matter what the world says, what those internal voices in your own heart and mind say, you are a loved and precious child of God. And we are here to remind you of that, that you matter. And our baptism is about belonging, that from this point forward, that you are a part of this body and nothing can change that. You are not alone and you will not walk alone because we are one and we're in this together. The second message that Paul has from this passage is that not only are we together, embedded in that is that we need each other. We genuinely, truly need each other. And that oneness is not the same as sameness. So the message translation says that everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. But that doesn't mean you should all look and speak and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given their own gift. Christ handed out gifts of the apostle, the prophet, evangelist, and pastor teacher to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's son, full mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. You just imagine that image of a body. That's part of why I asked um, Tyler to, to dance today, because I wanted us to see this picture of what a body looks like when it's moving rhythmically and beautifully and gracefully as one. And it's one body with, the, with each of those parts of like, hand and foot and ankle and knee and waist, all of those things moving together and moving through the world in this beautiful and compelling way that points to who Jesus is. And he says that each of us is given their own gift. So every single one of you has a gift given to you by Christ for the common good. Let me say that again. Every single one of you, like none of you are left out of the generous gift giving of Christ. Me too. You know, even though I often feel like I don't have any gifts to give, like I have always felt like I need to be this stereotypical white alpha male pastor. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with being white or male or pastor or white male alpha. You know, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. So the problem is, I am not white, nor an alpha, nor male. And yet, in my mind, somehow I think, like, I need to be these things. Maybe my gift is showing up as Christine. You know, maybe my gift is showing up in my weakness. And actually, this morning, as I was thinking about our gathering, you know, I, I often struggle with that. Like, what is the gift that I have to give to the body of Christ? And I realized, it kind of came to me in the shower, <laughs> where I felt like God was saying, Christine, your gift is vulnerability. Like, your gift is the capacity to show up in your weakness to be able to say, I'm not doing okay, I am struggling. And he'll just name that and say, you know, if the priest is struggling, maybe it's okay for you to struggle too. I felt like God was saying, Christine, your gift are your tears. You know, that there's some people who struggle with tears um, and there's no judgment about that. It's, it's just hard, that's how they're wired. And for me, tears flow easily. And that's not something that I need to apologize for, but rather just to say, this is who I am. This is the gift that God has given me. And that maybe if I'm crying, it's okay for you to cry too. And I wish that I could say, I have this amazing gift for leadership, or I have this amazing gift for preaching, or I have this amazing gift for strategic thinking, but that's not me. That's, this is the gift that I have to give for the common good of the church. Some of us may not be the eyes of the body or even the hands of the body. Maybe we're the pinky toe. You know, maybe we're the part behind the knee. <laughs> That's a little bit more hidden. But what matters most is that we show up fully as ourselves, who God has created us to be. And when we offer our gift, especially in a moment like right now in our world, the whole body is strengthened. You are not served by me trying to pretend like I'm just this person who never struggles or doubts or cries or is vulnerable. You know, the body is served when I am who I am and you are who you are. And the whole body can move like Tyler with his grace and this beauty and this strength, especially in a moment like this. So in Korean culture, um, we have this thing, it's called ke. And the ke um, is where, and I'm, I have remembrances of the, of the kes in my childhood. In the 70s and 80s, when a lot of Koreans were immigrating from South Korea, and they were struggling to make it. You know, they um, were struggling financially, emotionally, in so many ways. And this ended up being a really important practice to strengthen the Korean community at that time. So what would happen is a group of families would all get together every single month. And every month, everyone would put in some money, like usually the same amount of money. And then every month, they would decide who that whole pot of money would go towards. So maybe this particular month, Mr. Kim is struggling with paying his rent on his dry cleaning business. So everybody, the group decides, all right, this money is all going to go to Mr. Kim this month. 
And then the second month, everyone decides, okay, um, you know, the Lee family has a lot of medical bills this month. So we're gonna put all of this money towards them. And this would happen month over month over month. And the way that the Korean community got through those difficult early days of immigration are by coming together, each one bringing that gift, and then the whole body was strengthened, the whole community was strengthened over time, so that together, it's not just one family succeeding and another falling, it's like together the Korean community could rise and move forward as one. You know, some people, as I think about the gifts um, present even in our own community, like some people just have the gift of presence. You know, they're not flashy, you know, maybe they're not like the most charismatic personalities, but they just show up. You know, they just show up as they are. They're just always there. You know, some people have the gift of generosity, and when they see a need, they're like, you know what, I don't have a lot, but here, let me give to that. You know, other people have the gift of just help. You know, they see that something's not working right or something's not happening. They just jump in to help. You know, there's a gift of compassion where, you know, someone will say to me, well, have you seen so-and-so? Um, like, I just I haven't seen them around. You know, kind of noticing and compassion. They say, yeah, I'm gonna reach out to this person to just see how they're doing. You know, some have the gift of, of just creating beauty. You know, like, like Leisha is someone who really creates beauty. And um, we had, uh, on the second floor, as you see on the way out, there are all these fake plants out there. And um, I, there used to be a sign that just was like, don't go up here, it's dangerous. Essentially, that's all it said. And, um, and so we were talking about, you know, how can we, um, how can we let people know that it's, um, it's not okay to go up here, but it just not be such a scary sign. And went to Ikea, bought all these fake plants and put this beautiful cross-shaped um, shape of plants on the stairs. It's not in your face, like don't go up there. It's like, don't go up there, <laughs> you know? Just beautiful and graceful, just subtly tells you a sign, you don't wanna go up to this space, so be safe and go in this other direction. You know, that's the gift that she has to bring into our world. So when we press into those realities that we are one in Christ, that we need each other, and that each of us has a gift to strengthen the common good, that we grow stronger and more robust in love for the sake of the world. You may not feel like you belong in this body. You may not feel like you are needed or that you need the body. And I would say that you're wrong. You are totally wrong. I don't say that often, but you're wrong. And that's not a Christine thing, like that's a Christ thing. That's a Christ thing. And according to Paul, he's saying it's impossible to grow up and to mature and to be fully developed. You know, that beautiful, graceful, strong dancer. It's impossible to do that without the body of Christ because Christ is the head of this body and his very breath, his very blood flows through us nourishing us so that we can be healthy and mature, fully alive like Christ is. You know, in this moment um, when our world is really hurting, when we're hurting and struggling, God has called us to be this one body and we need each other. And when that happens, together we're able to show up in our world like nothing else 
you know, that fully being alive in Christ, bearing God's gifts in abundance for the sake of our world, healing, restoring, loving, speaking the truth in love. And I just want you, as I close, just take a moment, take a moment and just be with God in this moment. If you want to bow your head, you can do that. If you want to close your eyes, you can do that. But just to take just one moment of silence and just to check in with yourself and to say, you know, where am I, you know, in this sense of, of belonging to the body of Christ? You know, what gift of grace has God given me to offer to the body so that we can be strengthened together for the sake of the world. Just take a moment of silence before I close in prayer. God, we need you in this moment. We need you so desperately. And God, you know every heart in this room. You know every heart um, that is watching us online. God, you know our fears and our struggles and our pain. Um, God, you know us through and through. And God, we um, ask for your grace in this moment. God, grace to live into the oneness of the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the gift um, that your church is to us and to the world. And Lord, we pray even now, um, would you give us eyes to see, Lord, um, what that grace that you have given to us is. And Lord, to love it and embrace it the same way that you love and you delight in the gifts that you have given to us. And Lord, we pray, would you help us to hold our hands out freely and generously. God, in all of our weakness and vulnerability, we come to you. And as you give to us freely, that we can give to our world and to each other freely. And all this, God, we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.